And today is our first Sunday during the summer of uh, Sunday school break. So the kids are in service with us today, which is awesome. We really are happy to have them here with us. I'm going to read a little bit of this parable that we're going to be doing today, and then I'm going to uh, talk to the kids a little bit and see what we can do up here, what kind of trouble we can get into. This is a, a story that Jesus told in Matthew 13. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places, where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop 160, 30 times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. I'd like to invite the kids up forward. So come on up. I'm not even kidding. Any kids that want to come forward, it's not going to be embarrassing or anything. It's just a little activity, I promise. So you're probably wondering what's underneath these burlap things, right? So take a look. Oops, sorry. Play-Doh and rocks, just like the Bible says. So with the help of my friend, Miss Jen, I give you the four soils. Each of you take a pinch of seeds in your hand and hold them there. And what we're going to do is, as, as I read through the parable, I want you to, to try to plant those seeds, just drop them on the path. In the time when, when Jesus was uh, walking the earth and teaching about this stuff, farmers didn't use big machines to plant their, their food. They did it by hand, personally. They walked up and down the path. And seed fell in different places, because not all soil is the same, right? They're all different. There's hard soil, rocky soil, there's weeds soil, and then there's good soil. So let's, let's uh, give this a shot. And as I, as I read this, I want you to put your seeds on the correct soil. As the farmer was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Very good. Yeah, you notice it's not really not really sinking into that path. It's pretty hard. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. There you go. The plants sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. All right, you ready, Naomi? Other seed fell along thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop 160 or 30 times what was sown. Whoever has ears let him hear. So the, in, in the story, it says that some of the seed the farmer sowed fell along the path, the hard path. And what does it say got to the seed? Birds. You see any birds down there? Have the birds swoop down and take the seed? Yeah. Because the seed has no root, because it's just sitting there on the hardened path and it can't be planted, the birds come and snatch it up. And the Bible says that that is a symbol of the evil one, of our enemies. Uh, Satan and dark powers of, of, of darkness. Um, they snatch up the seeds when someone doesn't understand the word of God. Next was the rocky soil. And what happened to the seeds in this soil? Can anyone tell me? It grew very quickly. And it looked, it looked just like the good, good soil, but there was rocks in that soil. And so the, the beautiful plants that sprouted up on the top, they couldn't make roots into the ground, and they died when the sun came out. 
That's very tragic. Still other seeds fell along the thorny soil. And what happened to those seeds? That's right. They were so, at first it looked just like any other soil. It looked like good soil. But, unfortunately, there were other seeds than just the good seeds of the sower. And those other seeds grew weeds. And the weeds choked out the good seeds and took all their nutrition. And those seeds were not able to grow. And they perished. Still, other seed the farmer sowed fell into the good soil. This refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. And that's the one who produces a crop and plants beautiful flowers and seeds. So give the kids a round of applause. Thank you very much, guys. So as, as I'm sharing from the scriptures this morning, from this first parable of Jesus in our series on parables that we'll be doing all through the, throughout the summer, here's the four symbols we're going to be looking at. The hard soil, the rocky soil, the thorn-infested soil, and the good soil. Let's read from, from our text, Matthew 13. 1 to 23, and take a look at these four soils and listen to Jesus' explanation as to what they mean. Much better than my explanation. Jesus' explanation. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. He told them many things in parables and stories, saying, A farmer went to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let him hear. Now, what do you guys think the seeds represent in the story? The word of God, that's right. And the sower is God himself. The disciples came to Jesus and asked, why do you, why do you speak to the people in parables? Why, don't you, why, are, why aren't you more straightforward with this stuff, Jesus? Why are you speaking in these pictures? And he said, because the knowledge of heaven, of the, of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, have been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they think they have, will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For the people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For truly, I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see now, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Listen, then, to what the parable of the sower means. It's one of the few parables where Jesus just tells them exactly what it means. So listen to this. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom, the word of God, and does not understand it, just doesn't understand it. The evil one takes the opportunity from their confusion and snatches up the seeds before they can take root. The problem there is that they didn't understand the message and they didn't, weren't able to stick around long enough to hear it clearly. And that's the opportunity that the enemy uses to snatch up those seeds. That's the seed that fell along the path. 
The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy, but since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Trouble and persecution come. And that joyful plant that had been growing very quickly has no roots, and so it, it dies. It's scorched by the sun. It was too shallow. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of his li their life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke out the word, making it unfruitful. Worries about life, concerns about wealth, Jesus says these things can actually choke out his work in our lives. And if those plants grow next to the seeds that God sows, it takes all the nutrition, all the sunlight, all the, all the stuff that these plants need to grow and puts it into the weeds and the thorns. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. Remember on the path, they, did, they, they heard it but didn't understand it. Here they... they they hear the word and they do understand it. And that is the person who produces a crop, yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. Simple story, profound truth from the word of God. Let's talk about these four soils a little further to see if we can locate ourselves in them. Because this, this image is completely timeless. And it's completely perfect for us today. It doesn't need fancy translation. You just need to hear the description and, and just put yourself in, in that category. And the good news from this parable is that whatever soil a person is, that um, if that person seeks after God and comes to understand the message and then comes to put into practice and all these kinds of things, the greater the likelihood of that producing fruit and producing seeds. So let's take a, take a look at these, uh, these different soils and, and talk about what they look like. The person on the hardened path, they, they hear the word, but do not understand it. Picture, the, picture someone who's at a church service like this one, and the preacher shares up, up one, of the, one of the truths about God, and, but doesn't, doesn't necessarily share everything in one shot, but a person leaves that, that service confused, thinking of God as being one-dimensional, not seeing the bigger thing that um, God is saying in his word, they're confused, and the enemy uses that, um, that opportunity to steal the, the word of God that's sown into our life. Seed along, for seed along the path, if you are confused about the word of God and don't understand it, the message is to persist, to persist in seeking to understand the word of God until your faith finds understanding. As I said earlier, in, in the primitive days of farming, the sower, the, the farmer, who's, who is representing God in our passage, sowed their seeds by hand, personally. All of these seeds are sown by the Father God, personally by him, and thrown down liberally in places where it's likely or even unlikely to, to grow a plant. God, God's love and God's work is poured out on everybody in amazing ways. The path that the, farmers, that the farmer walks on as they're sowing their seed, it becomes hard like pavement. And some of the seed just naturally bounces from the path into the, into the good soil, and some of it just sits on the path. Some people have gotten really, really, really 
hardened towards the Word of God. When someone is hardened towards the Word and the work of God in their lives, they're unable to understand God, and so they, they get hardened towards thoughts of Him. Um, they, can be, they can become as hard as pavement to God's work. For Jesus, this is likened to a person who has a closed mind, who doesn't understand, perhaps they're closed off to God, who, have, who has prejudices um, so great about God and what they think, who they think God is, that their spirit has become unteachable. Maybe it's a fear of a new truth or what the implications could be for someone's life that keeps it from growing here. But someone in this kind of soil has, has prejudged the words that are being given. And because of that, because of that hardness of heart and that unwillingness to persist with the, with the sower for very long, that person is, is in danger of having the seed that God put on them be taken away by the evil one. This type of person has already term, determined what they want to believe, is now open to new insights, and maybe even has said, you know, the word of God is completely irrelevant to my life. That's why I believe. So when I hear the, the word from the word of God, I think to myself, well, that's just an old book. It's not important. The person's loss in this case is, is their soul. You know, God is always pouring out his work and his word on our lives. But if, if our soil is hardened and prejudiced and unbelieving, and that's kind of like our main note that we do in our life, the main thing, main thing that we sing, um, then it's easy to dismiss any God talk. Some people are hardened in their soil because of bad or, or abusive experiences they've had in the past, even in church. Shortly after Jesus uh, was teaching about communion, we read about that this morning in John 6, he was talking, he was sharing a metaphor about the communion element, elements. And what, what did he say? He said, the bread represents my body broken for you, the blood represents my blood shed for you, and then whoever drinks of my blood and eats of my body will be saved. That's what he said in John 6. Well, in this teaching, there were, some, there were some pavement people listening. Pavement people, hard, hard, hard. Uh, people that already had ideas about who they thought God was and what he required of them, and people that were horrified at the word picture of eating the flesh and drinking the blood because they didn't stick around long enough to find out that it was an image that God was using to teach something true about himself. So right after Jesus teaches about communion, about the bread and the cup. Listen to what happens. When many of his disciples heard it, you know, disciples means followers of Jesus, right? So they're, they're following him so far. When many of his disciples heard it, the teaching on communion, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning those were and those who would not believe. And who it was that would betray him. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me 
unless it is granted him by the Father. So confusion over teaching of communion, they, they, they explain, what, what, what kind of teaching of this? It makes no sense to us. And they begin to walk away. And after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with Jesus. So Jesus said to the twelve, do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. So all these disciples that heard a difficult teaching and just said, how could this be true? This, is, this isn't cool with us, and walked away. They missed out. They were the seed that fell on the hardened path. And the twelve disciples, who, let's face it, didn't understand much of what Jesus taught either a lot of the time, they stuck with Jesus long enough for them to figure out the truth. The seeds got snatched off the hard soil of those who had prejudgments and thoughts about God and were not open to anything new about God. And the seeds fell on good soil and the disciples who said, we don't understand it, but we're with you, Jesus. We're sticking with you, Jesus. And sometimes that's the tragedy, that people, people hear a partial truth or even a misrepresented truth about God on the internet or in a book or in some kind of thing they've seen, and it's, it's just a small picture of who God is, but they take it saying, oh, that's, that's where we're going with this? I, that, I'm not, that's not my thing. No. No. I don't believe that. It's a hard teaching. I don't like the implications for my life, and I don't believe. So, I'm done. Those people have very little already, and even what they think they have is taken from them because of their lack of faith. Because of their lack of faith. Hearing but not understanding. Jesus says they took offense and refused to listen on in order to hear the whole truth of what Jesus was saying. So, so what's missing in the hard soil people? Faith, meaning we stick with Jesus even when we don't understand, and we, we, have, we are waiting for understanding to come from God. But we're sticking with Jesus even if it's a hard teaching. What makes people avoid being in the hard soil? Patience. Patience to keep walking. We talked about grief this morning, and the Bible talks about walking in, in the shadow of death. You know, there's very difficult places that we walk as, as people, and um, we have to be patient as we go through difficult seasons sometimes. Patient, waiting for the Word of God to come to us. And finally, I, I think what's missing is, is surrender. Just saying, God, Jesus, I'm with you. Jesus, I will keep walking with you, and my reason will seek understanding as I follow you, Jesus. And I surrender to your ways. If the implications for this word to me are that my life has to change or I have to think differently about something, yes, Lord, I'll do it because you are God and I am not. You know, just as the disciples, um, Peter, when asked if they were turning away as well, when all the other disciples were leaving, filing out, Jesus said to Peter, aren't you, are you going to leave me as well? He said, to whom shall we go? Only you have the words of eternal life. He stuck with Jesus. He was patiently waiting for understanding. And he was surrendered to Jesus. So he kept, they kept following. This brings us to this principle about the soils. It's not as fatalistic as some people have said. Like you're not just born one soil that can't turn into a different soil or all these kinds of things. It's not, it's not like predetermined. But really, what, what determines the quality of our soil is how we listen. How we listen to the teachings from God. In Luke 8, 17, it says, Therefore, we must take care how, to, how we listen so that we respond obediently to Jesus' teaching 
rather than shrinking from it because it convicts us of sin. That's not a quote. That's just 817. Sorry. I want to actually read that passage. This is directly after the parable of the sower in the, in the Gospel of Luke. We're seeing it in Matthew today. After the parable of the sower, Jesus says, No one lights a lamp and hides it in a clay jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, they put it on the stand so that those who come in can see the light. For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed, nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they think they have will be taken from them. Now, when we're hearing the word of God, we need to be careful how we listen so we don't end up missing out on what God wants to do in our life. Um, we, need to, we need to take care when we're in church, when we're re- studying the Bible, when we're in our small groups discussing the things of God. We need to take care to be careful how we listen. Careful. I think that how we listen is just as important as whatever the speaker has to say. Right? Because it could be a great sermon, but if we're closed off to it, if we say, no, this is a hard teaching, I'm skipping that one, skipping that one, it doesn't matter how good the preaching is. We're not listening right, and so we're not being transformed by the Word of God. And the Bible warns us in Luke 8, 17. Um, we need to be careful how we listen, because we can miss out on the very work of God in our lives. And, and as a result, we think we have certain truth about God, and then we, then we harden our hearts. Even that truth we have becomes useless to us. And even what you think you have gets taken from you. And given to other people that are not hardened to God. We have to be careful how we listen. And the, the, the little revelation that, that I've had is that the way you listen to Jesus is often less with your ears and more with your actions. And that's, that's what it says. He who does my will, the will of my Father in heaven, is the one, the good and faithful servant and disciple. We, we know, we, we show God that we have listened to his word by allowing it to change our actions. And through our actions of following Christ and following in Christ's way, uh, we show that we are listening closely to him. It's the same message from James 2. Now what good is it if someone has faith but no deeds? Can such a faith, faith save them? No. Let your deeds and the things that you do show that you are listening to the word of God. Again, the Pharisees and teachers of the law had memorized the word of God. Um, it was a part of their life, but they were, their hearts were hardened to God's work because they weren't listening to obey. They were listening to, to learn and gain more, maybe even have fodder for their theological arguments. Show me your faith without deeds. I will show you my faith by what I do, by my deeds. Do you believe there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. What's the point of James 2? If, if, if faith does not have any action, that faith is dead. With God, we listen with our hands and feet. We show we are listening by our actions. Hardened hearts precede whatever God does in a person's heart. Hardened hearts are where it starts, and that's on us. Are we going to be good soil? Or are we going to be hardened soil that's not open to anything new and not open to God? It starts with us, and sometimes God allows those people to continue in their delusion. We want to be people that, re- that are careful how we listen to the Word of God and listen to understand and to follow God. The second kind of soil 
is this rocky soil, which is, uh, in, in, this, in this one here, we have the rocks on the top and then some soil underneath. In Jesus' day, um, it would have been soil only a few inches deep with a layer of limestone beneath it. So talk about an even more hopeless situation. At least with these pebbles, maybe something can grow and wind its way out of there. But when it comes to a layer of limestone underneath a couple inches of soil, that's pretty hopeless, right? It says the, person, the rocky soil is the person who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet they have no root. They endure for a while. When tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, they fall away. This could, this could be compared to a person who refuses to think thoroughly and deeply about the reasons for their faith who is not in the word themselves trying to learn everything they can about God, but who enjoy, you know, a, fa a spiritual fad or a craze, you know? Like, the 40 days of purpose comes out with purpose-driven life, or the prayer of Jabez comes out. We're excited about this one thing, but we're not really going deep to, to gain understanding that could really protect us from the evil one. This type of soil is deceptive because on the surface, everything looks perfect. Well, all the while, we know the plant that's growing so nicely now is actually doomed to wither and die in the sun without roots. The plant dies before any fruit gets produced at all. These people see their faith as being an easy way to solve immediate problems in their lives, but when the problem gets solved, they kind of put faith to the back burner. It's like the person who's crying out to God for help, and God works in their life, and then they're like, oh, thanks, God, and then just moves on business as usual. That's this kind of soil. It's doomed. The, the ground represents this, uh, uh, someone who is shallow in their understanding, who, who quickly accepts the gospel, the good news, and appears to be growing, but their character is weak, and they can't take in the spiritual truth God is saying to them. It's like the crowd in Mark 3 who was who were chiding Jesus, do a miracle, heal the sick but we're not interested in his teaching. In, the, in this passage, it says that the, those plants are in the rocky soil. They, they, they fall away. And, that, and the word originally means rejecting the gospel and returning to a life of sin. So it, it's going backwards in your faith, not forwards. Lots of examples of this kind of soil were in, in church history. There was a time when Christians were being persecuted in the first few hundred years of the church, and they were faced with this problem where Christians were denying Jesus in order to save their skin, you know? They were scared, they were being tortured, whatever it might be, and they had to publicly deny their faith in order to survive and not be, not be killed. So in this situation, um, individuals were not rooted enough in their faith, and so they gave up on their faith whenever trouble or persecution came, right? That's what this is kind of talking about. The person cries out to God in their great need, and then when God meets their need, then they kind of just, okay, well, I'm moving on. I don't need you anymore, God. It's a, kind of like using God like a vending machine in some ways. He wants he wants um, relationship with us. Third, there's the, the seed among the thorns. And this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word. It becomes unfruitful. Now, this is something we can all definitely relate to. We are busier than we've ever been, right? 
the soil is also deceptive because it looks, it looks perfectly fine, it looks clean, but the problem is that there's other seeds in there that are they're competing with the real plant for the resources. You know, the thorny soil is filled with competing activities. Overly busy, crowded life where the word of God is always in competition with and, let's face it, coming in second or third most of the time. There's not a priority on the work of God. But instead, the priority is whatever we'd like to be doing instead or with the anxieties of our own lives or our worship and seeking after wealth. And that's deceitful. It's a deceitfulness. We see this in, in the rich young ruler who came to Jesus. Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good, Jesus replied. There's only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones? He inquired. Jesus replied, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony. Good, 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 good. On your father and mother, good, 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 and love your neighbor as yourself. The man says, all these I've kept. The young man said, what else do I still lack? And Jesus answered, not to you and me, but to this man in his situation. If you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor. You will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. I mean, this guy was in it to win it in every area of his spiritual life, but there was one thing that he lacked, and that was he loved money and wealth. And Jesus confronted that one thing, and he walked away sad. That's the deceitfulness of wealth choking somebody out, choking out the seeds. There's another parable we'll be looking at into in, in over the next weeks. But there was a, uh, a person who was preparing a great banquet and invited many, many guests. This is the sower. This is the sower who plants all the seeds in various places. This is the banquet giver now. He's prepared a great banquet, invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field, and I, can't go and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just bought a Tesla, and it's really awesome to drive. No. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. All kinds of different reasons. Some of them very good reasons, right? Uh, like getting married and stuff like that. These are important things. But they turned down the generous offer of the banquet giver, of the, of the sower. They hardened their hearts to that invitation. The servant came back to the master and reported that all the people couldn't make it for various reasons. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. This, the master is so generous. It's a huge banquet. Then the master told his servant, okay, then go out into the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house may be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. You know, this is, this is the anxieties of life. You know, these people don't get a taste of God's banquet, not because they weren't invited, not because of any reason other than the fact that they simply prioritized 
God's invitation, second or third. It's deceitfulness of wealth, deceitfulness of the worries and, and anxieties that consume our life. You know, and if, if we stop doing the things that God's called us to do, like if you give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, if you stop coming to church, let's just say coming to church is second, third, or fourth on your priority list. You're in danger of being this kind of soil, you know? It's not legalistic. It's just simply um, when you move away from the fireplace, it starts getting cooler and cooler. You become an ember that's glowing, and pretty soon it gets cold. you got to be with, you got to be prioritizing the things of faith and the body and gathering as the body of Christ, not because of a legalistic reason, but because it is the way. This is how we do it. How do we become a soil that's good and clean and ready to receive the word of God? Well, Part, part of it is by prioritizing our relationship with God over our wealth and over the worries of our life. And anytime our wealth, our seeking of wealth, or our worries about life um, begin to take first place, we need to think, I need to get back. I need to get back to God. Because those are not good places. What's your hope? I know that most of us parents, we, we, we well, all of us parents, I think, um, we want our kids to prioritize God. We want them to, to, to know God and to, to someday be baptized and take communion and just know the, the salvation that we know. We want them to prioritize God, but unfortunately, we don't prioritize God. And our kids catch that from us. God gets second, third, fourth place. If we really want, we really want to be able to say, say to our kids when they're older, remember how we went to church every week? Remember how we went to small, we prioritized small group? Remember how we, we worshiped God together as a family and sang unto his name? It was awesome. Keep going. Yeah, they might, they might still, like, fall away from things, but I tell you, it's caught, not taught. What your priorities are as a family are going to pass down to your children because that's just the way it goes. So we don't want to be people that make excuses, people that are obsessed with wealth and unwilling to part with our wealth. And we want to be the good soil. Ultimately, the, the master wants a giant house full of people at the party. That's what he wants. And when it wasn't full enough, he's like, go out, get some more people, get some more people, just pull them all in until my house is full. But there's a spot for every person if they will, if they will only soften their heart towards God, prioritize Jesus in their lives. Finally, we have the good soil. That's the one who hears the word and understands it. They bear good fruit and yield, it says in this passage, 160, 30 times what was sown. Really good return for those crops. It's completely like the other soils. It's not like the hardened path because it is soft. It's unlike the rocky soil because it is deep and the roots go down deep. It's not like the thorny soil because it is purely the seeds that the sower planted and not the other stuff growing around it. This person is prepared to hear, understand, and obey the teachings of the kingdom. And to this person, more is given by God. How much do you want? How many seeds do you want in your life? God will give more to you if you will do good things with the seeds that are already in your life. He will give more to you. He is a liberal giver. He's not stingy. He pours out his word into the people who prioritize him are willing to follow him and express faith by doing instead of just listening all the time. Good soil 
First, it must understand the word, unlike the hard soil. It must embrace the word, and it must hold on to the word and let the roots go deep. The word for understanding the word is the idea of putting the pieces of a puzzle together and seeing the big picture. Now, some of us don't understand because we haven't taken the time to really understand the big picture of God's mission and what he's doing. I can't transmit that to you in one sermon. You know, unless we expose ourselves to this, we're not going to understand. We have to put the pieces together. The good, por- the good soil person really gets it. Um, they understand the message. In Mark 4.20, Jesus describes the good soil person as someone who embraces the gospel. And this word uh, is the Greek word that means come alongside and pull to one's bosom. So embracing the gospel, it's like a hug. We accept the gospel fully. And we just let ourselves loose in the arms of the one that's offering us that hug in surrender and in, in ho- turning our lives to him. Come alongside and pull that to yourself. In Luke 8, 15, in the parallel passage to um, the sower in, Mar- in Matthew 13, it has another word for, for retaining the gospel, which means hold on to, hold firmly, and hold unswervingly. It carries the idea of refusing to let go of something good that you found. Good, good soil people are those who hear the gospel, it says in Luke, with a noble and good heart and they won't let go of it. That is good soil. Understanding, embracing, and retaining the word of God. A great example of this is the Apostle John, who Jesus called in Mark 1, 19. Jesus went on a little farther. He saw James and his brother John, sons of Zebedee. They were in the boat, mending their nets. Jesus called them, and they left their father Zebedee. He was in the boat with men who were working for him. This is John's start to John's story. He just follow God, young man. Then, around, you know, the 95 AD, you know, when he wrote the book of Revelation, right before that, in 89 AD, likely, he wrote this in 3 John 1 to 8. The church leader writes to the much-loved Gaius, I love you because of the truth. Dear friend, I pray that you are doing well in every way. I pray your body is strong and well, even as your soul is. I was very happy when some Christians came and told me about how you were following the truth. I can have no greater joy than to hear that my children are following the truth. Dear friend, you are doing a good work by being kind to the Christians and for sure to the strangers. They have told the church about your love. It will be good for you to help them on their way as God would have you. These people are working for the Lord. They're taking nothing from the people who do not know God. So we should help such people. That way we will be working with them as they teach the truth. You know, from just being called to this... 90-year-old man full of years and faith who is still, pr- still encouraging the church and preaching the gospel of love. It's an amazing thing. That's a person who is carefully, is carefully paying attention to how they listen. Who is getting more when they open themselves up to God. That's why we have to be careful how we listen. Again, the, the sower is throwing seeds so liberally on all the different types of soil, even in very hopeless situations like the hardened soil. He's, and all it takes is being open 
to receive the word of God and let it be planted deeply within you for, for God's work to take root in your life. To be one of those people that gets pulled into the banquet, right? It says in, in the parallel passage to ours in Luke 7, uh, right before the parable of the sower, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great. You know, what kind of soil do you want to be? In, our, in this context, in this, this summer, as Jesus is seeking to plant his word, his teachings, directly into our hearts. What kind of soil will you be? Will you be the hardened path, hearing but not understanding and not persevering to understand, and then letting that word be taken away? The rocky soil that is enthusiastic and right away is like, oh, I received this as joy, this is awesome, but doesn't take the time to make the roots go deep down. And so it's uh, fried by the sun. Will you be like seed sown among thorns who is choked out by their cares and anxieties about the world and their cares and anxieties about money and wealth? Or will you be the good soil? This is the one that hears the word, understands it, bears fruit and yields, in one case, a hundredfold, in another 60, another 30. That soil is characterized by faith, patience, surrender and perseverance. Let us pray. Father God, my heart is on fire just to, to be the good soil. I, see, I can see very clearly in my life how I've been, I've, been one, I've been one of these soils through many different seasons of my life. I desire to be the soil, that the good soil that you can plant your seed in and it will grow so that what I have, you'll make it more. I pray for all of us, God, that you would Teach us and lead us toward being the good soil. We might glo people might see us, see the things we're doing and saying and who we are, and glorify our Father who's in heaven. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.